book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Amen. Convinced living water changes everything one life at a time. Praise the Lord. This morning, I want to talk to you about obedience. I know we've been uh, in that place. I know we've been talking uh, about that. And I specifically, this morning, am talking about unlocking, we've used the term unleashing as well, but unlocking the power of God in your life. The power of God is available to every believer, but not every believer is walking in the power of God. The power of God is not, his arm is not too short. He's not uh, limited in any way. He's the same God that you read about in the scripture. He is a God who is able to do the impossible. He is a God that can do anything. But unlocking his power has a lot to do with this word we're talking about, and it's the word obedience. We talked about that first step of obedience is obediently calling upon the name of Jesus Christ, his son, and saying, yes, Lord, I need a savior. I recognize that I am in need. And that is the first step of obedience with God. But it continues. This is an obedient walk. And as we walk in obedience to God, it unlocks God's power for our lives. When we are not in obedience to God, we can feel like a well that has not had water in it for years. We feel like we're just kind of there. Sometimes uh, they refer to them as spiritual drones. You're just, you're fulfilling kind of an empty shell, but there's nothing there. But God wants to fill you with his power. God wants to be his, God wants his church to be alive and well. As you look at the scripture, God uh, is desiring that we move accomplishing the will of God for our world today. The reason I talk about that is because I'm going to take you to a place in Scripture before we turn to our main Scripture. I want to talk about the last days. Now, I don't know when Jesus is coming. The Word of God makes it clear that no man knows the day or the hour. So let's not be surprised when we hear well-meaning people, well-educated people, or others that set preconceived dates or times that God is not bound by any of those. But as we look at the Scripture, it is clear that the time of the Lord's return is drawing near. It's coming nearer and nearer and nearer. It is coming to a place where we can see it more today than we've ever before. His return is coming. You know, someone said that all that needs to happen for evil to triumph is good to do nothing. 
I believe there's been a lot of nothing in the spiritual climate of America for many years. Did you hear me? It is not the world that needs to change for God to change things. It's the church. It is not the world that is going to cause God to move or not move. It is a remnant of the church that rises up and says, we will be the voice of God for our generation. We will be the the ones that God has called to hear his voice, to walk his word, to live in our homes, in our schools, in every area of our life, and see the will of God accomplished. It is time for good to stand up and say something. It is time for those who have the truth to no longer hold back, but not in an arrogant or in a, in a way that is brought about by a work of the flesh, but in the Spirit of God and in truth to stand upon the Word of God and let the Word of God roar out of your life. Lots of talk about being politically correct. It's the new normal. And if you're not PC, politically correct, they will make sure you pay a price for it. I like what Billy Graham says. New morality is nothing more than the old immorality brought up to date. Isn't that true? The Bible is right when it says in Ecclesiastes 1.9, there is nothing new under the sun. What has been done before will be done again. May I tell you, be encouraged. This same God that you read about in the Word of God, that was alive and well, that answered when His people called, is the same God that will answer you and I when we call on the name of the Lord. This is not the only time there has been a climate of political correctness in the world. You realize that, don't you? When the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, he means it. There were times you read about in the scripture where they were pressured They were pressured to do what was politically expedient, to follow what everybody was doing. But there was a remnant that said, nothing doing. We will call on the name of our Lord God. And those who did saw the power of God move after story, after story, after story, year after year in the Bible. You look and you read about it. I know that our nation is in great peril. If you don't see that or believe that, you're not alive. 
It doesn't take rocket science to look and see that our country is literally unraveling at the seams. The structure for what held us together as a family and as Americans and all of those values have been done away with. And we are in peril. And unless a remnant rises up and says enough, we will call on the name of our Lord God. That's when it ends. I don't know if you've heard this recent story, but there is a man by the name of Joe Kennedy up in Bremerton, Washington. He is a U.S. Marine. He is a football coach who's been at a high school for years. He, without encouraging anybody else, without mandating it from anything else, without telling his players what they did or didn't have to do, for years since he has been there as a coach, he has walked to the middle of the field after the game and kneeled with one knee and given thanks to God. And in the last several months, those who are in charge came to him and said, you are not allowed to do that anymore. Because you can't have this God thing in our schools. And I am so excited to tell you that this coach, who is an absolute firm believer, the next game, when the whistle was blown and the last second ticked off that clock, went to the middle of the field, got on one knee, and thanked God. And the next day, he got a letter from the school board putting him on administrative leave. He doesn't know when or what may happen to his job. I don't think a firm decision has been made, but they are moving to fire him. I love this kind of a remnant, and that's what I'm talking to you about. This Joe Kennedy, although he was no longer the coach, he was no longer allowed to do anything, showed up in the stands the next game cheered his team on, although he said, testifies afterwards, one of the hardest things he ever did to be in the stands and not be able to help his team. But after the last second ticked off that clock, he went to the middle of the field, got down on one knee, and thanked God! Hallelujah! Praise God! Thank you, Jesus! That is the type of remnant that we need in our country. The time for good to do nothing has passed. It is time for us, not with an arrogance, not within our own strength and power, not in an obnoxious way, but in the strength and the power of Almighty God to stand. And with that, 
let's turn to the Word of God. I want to look at a passage of Scripture first found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I just want to read this because I believe, as I do, you will realize that wherever we are in the days of the coming of the Lord, we are truly at the coming of the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, and avoid such men as these. Paul goes on to mention several by name that at that time were causing great, incredible turmoil, and he says they are going to be shown for their... uh, They're not going to amount to anything. (laughs) Okay? But then listen to what it says. Verse number 10, jump down there. But you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and perseverance. Persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord has delivered me. And indeed... All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now as I read that, I know that each one of those descriptions have always been around since the beginning of sin and its conception. But as you read and as you look at that with me, there is no one that can doubt that these word descriptors describe something that is happening in our climate like never before. I I was appalled several years ago when I read that siblings, brothers and sisters that got so angry at one another that a seven-year-old brother grabbed his three-year-old sister and threw her off the third-story window of their home to her death. 
that's the kind of thing you look at and you say, that's unnatural. (laughs) Something's wrong with that. There is no doubt that we need a move and a work of God. But now let's turn to Acts chapter 5. That's where we're going to be looking, and I will warn you first, all of what I say today will be politically incorrect. (laughs) It's a a precursor, so if you're getting ready to hear some uh, ambiguous or vague terms of God and Jesus described so that no one can be offended... It's not going to be here. (laughs) I want to talk to you about obedience to God in a PC world. In a politically correct world, when you try to step out and do what is right for God, you get a finger of the world in your face giving you every reason why you can't do what you think you're going to do. They do it through intimidation. They do it through uh, mass media. They do it through every venue trying to get you to believe in this new normal. That those things that were acceptable before are not anymore. And those things that were bad before are perfectly fine now. And in fact, that if you do not believe in what is politically correct, it is you who are the problem. But we know, as Billy Graham said, that this is nothing more than the old immorality try to be dressed up as something new. It is the same old thing that has been around since the beginning of sin in the garden that man does not Without God, want to submit to God, neither will he submit to God. And so, the first thing that I want to do is read through this passage. So let's look at, I'm going to start at chapter 5, verses 29, and we're going to read through 42. Although I'm going to reference some place in all of chapter 5, and we're going to look at some other verses as well. I know we're reading lots of... uh, scripture today but hang with me this is important acts chapter 5 starting at verse number 29 but peter and the apostles answered and said we must obey god rather than men the god of our fathers raised up jesus whom you have put to death by hanging him on a cross he is the one whom god exalted to his right hand as the prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to slay them. But a certain Pharisee named Gamaliel A teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to the men to be put outside for a short time. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. 
For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined with him, and he was slain, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census, drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. And so in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action should be of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Or else you may be found fighting against God. And they took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them. If you don't know what that term means, it means they beat them brutally. And ordered them to speak no more in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple, and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Hallelujah. That is what the church in America is needing today. That is the ingredient that is missing from the church today. I understand and know that we have been blessed with so many things that make church service wonderful, but all those wonderful things don't amount to a pimple on a whale if we don't have the Holy Spirit. We have got to have God's Spirit and His power moving in us. It has got to be men and women who decide, God, somehow, some way, in the power of your spirit, I will stand up. I will be one of those who says, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. So it's not another building, it's not the latest gadget that the church needs. All of that, I'm thankful for anything that helps present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong, that's why we use it. But when we melt it down to that being how we're going to save people, we're wrong. We're wrong. Without being the people of God, all of it is of naught. Without being the people of God, we will see our generation around us in our nation perish. But I'm believing for a remnant. I'm believing for the people of God who will say enough. I will believe for the Joe Kennedys. I will believe for those who will say, I'm going right back to the 50-yard line. I'm kneeling there and I'm praying to my God. So the first thing it comes down to then is obeying God rather than man. 
if we are to unlock the power of God like we want to see in our nation, we have got to be men and women, children of God, who will obey God rather than men. We have got to hear the voice of the Lord. We've got to know the word of God. We've got to know that we are going to be His first. And when the world points its bony finger in your face and tells you all the reasons why Jesus can't be talked about, why you can't do the things that you do. You just smile, don't be obnoxious, don't be unchristlike, and continue to serve your God. Now, if you look in Acts chapter 4, just refer, you can write it down. Acts chapter 4, verse 18, you know that already the disciples were in trouble for healing the man at Gate Beautiful. Okay, that's when it started. Peter and John healed a blind man at Gate Beautiful, and the Sadducees and those in charge were all wound up because they couldn't figure out how they were going to stop them. So even there, as you read in chapter 4, it says that they gathered the disciples together and they threatened them. And they sent them out. And the disciples, when they left, got on their knees and raised their voices to God and said, God, consider their threats and fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit to let us be bold. And they kept right on going. So they were already in trouble. The Sadducees, it says in here, in chapter 5, verse 17... You can look there because that's where we are in chapter 5. If you look in 17, it says that the Sadducees were jealous. And in fact, they were so jealous that they jailed the apostles. They threw them in jail. Now, don't be afraid of what the world can do for you or to you. Jesus put it this way in the gospel. Don't be afraid of those who have the power to kill the body, and after that can't do anything else. <laughs> I'll tell you who you ought to be afraid of. Be afraid of the one who, after destroying your physical body, has the power to decide whether to throw your soul into hell. <laughs> That's the one whom you ought to fear. And, and in this, uh, I say that, don't fear what the world threatens you with. I am knowing that what I'm talking about today is very controversial in the today's realm. I don't desire to go to jail, but I am God's. I don't belong to anyone else but Him. And if I'm there, I will be a witness for Jesus Christ. And that's what happened here they get thrown in jail, and guess what happened? In verse 19 of chapter 5, God had a plan all along. And the angel of the Lord came, and it read about it. And it says, took them right out of the jail and put them right back on the streets and said, now go and tell the full message of the gospel. 
God's got you covered. God has you covered. I don't know what may or may not happen to us. As God lets things go, I don't know prison, I don't know, uh, I don't know. But I know this, God's got me. And I know this, guys, if we are ever to see a move of God, it won't be from me or us cowering to the world. It will be when good stands up and does something for God. When good says, enough, this isn't what is right. This is worth making a stand for. And so the angel of the Lord came, brought them out of there, and it says that the Sadducees went to them, and, and they were shocked because the guards went to the jail, and the jail was completely locked and secure. Read about there in chapter 5. Verse 17, 18, 19, all that, it says, and 23 of them all up to there, says that they came out and they were like, okay, they didn't break out a window, they didn't kick the door down, where are they? The angel of the Lord delivered them. Now, I don't know about you, again, I know it's not in looking and chasing after miracles, but I want to see the power of God move. And it means we're going to have to take a stand. It means we're going to have to say, I'm standing up for God. Thank God for Joe Kennedy. So then in verse number 28, it says they gave them strict orders. Strict orders. You stop preaching about this stuff. And then they beat them. Now, we don't understand what really a flogging was. It wasn't just a, 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 a knock in the cheek. They were beaten and let go. And they walked out of there praising God. That can only happen under the power of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't happen in the natural man. And I will tell you, if we are going to obey God rather than men... We will not do it unless the power of the Holy Spirit is in us. We cannot do it of, of ourselves. Your flesh, my flesh will fail, but the power of God will prevail. All right, so we must obey God rather than men. The second thing we must do is we must understand that the gospel changes everything. It is still the power of God for salvation. I know that people have said, well, it's old school. We have to kind of get people here and kind of have them receive the gospel by osmosis. You've heard me talk about it. It doesn't happen. We must give them the gospel in the entirety, the whole plan of salvation. And I love what it says in verses 30 through 32 as we talk about that it says Jesus is prince and a savior. He is the, both the prince and he's a savior. And then it talks about the whole message. His death, his resurrection, his exaltation to the right hand of God, the forgiveness of sins has been made available, and the power of the Holy Spirit for everyone. Hallelujah! That's the gospel! 
that is the message, it's still the same message. It's so simple, and it doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need us to make it something that it's not. It's simply, if you are tired of trying to do it on your own and your sin has you bound, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He shed his blood and he can set you free. And by the way, when it talks about uh, preach the whole message, that's the angel that told the apostles that. And it's found in uh, chapter uh, 5, verse 20. So I wanted to make sure you got that because we didn't read that as part of our text. It talks about the whole message of life. So that's what we're talking about. And, and it's important because if we're to see, the, if we're to unlock the power of God, understand, unlocking the power of God doesn't happen just by doing something nice and neat and never offending anybody because we don't want to talk about the blood of Jesus. If we do that, we'll have a nice club, religious, but there will be no power of the church there. If we're to really unlock the power of God, we have to be placing it on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It must be on the gospel. It has to be. The gospel changes everything. Do you notice what is in the why statement of why we do church? Convinced. The living water changes everything. The gospel is what changes it all. It's why we exist as the church. We're not just kind of halfway well we think it may do something we're convinced it may be called old-fashioned it may be called out of date to many but it's still the power of god for salvation to them who believe romans 1 16 declares it i am not ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. So we must be about preaching the good news. Jesus is both a Savior, and by the way, get this too, He's the Prince, He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the Captain of the Host of Heaven. And when He calls us home, and he gets ready to physically come back to the earth, it says in Revelation 19 that the armies of heaven with the saints are coming with him. With him leading it on a white horse. Hallelujah. Read about that. That's, it's, it's both awesome, breathtaking, and it's very, very uh, sobering when it talks about his eyes being like blazing fire. I mean, you want to be in his entourage when he comes. Because those who aren't, aren't going to be in fair ground. <laughs> he is both a savior and prince. 
30, and 30, 30 through 32. Then the last thing, and I believe that this is for us who are already convinced, for us who maybe are already, uh, Pastor Brian, I'm here, I'm already, you know, I, I, I get it, I'm plugged in. What really can I do? I believe the remnant of God must begin to rise up. I'm calling on you who have walked before to lead us in the charge. It doesn't happen by itself. It happens when the people of God start to do the things that they've done before. Reading, praying, mean the church in every area. And that brings us to this. Keep right on. What did the disciples do? It says, it starts at 35, really all through 42, but, but look at it as we read it. it for, verse 42, it says, And every day, they didn't sometimes do it, sometimes not do it. Every day. They kept right on teaching. They kept right on preaching Jesus as the Christ. You've heard me say it before, and it bears being said again. Jesus is the answer. There is no other answer for the world. There will be no peace until the prince of peace is in the hearts of men and women. So we must keep right on. And that is the thing. We, they were threatened by death in verse 33 of chapter 5. They threatened to just kill them right there. And the only reason that that didn't happen is because there was some of one among them that at least had the sense to say, hey, stop it. <laughs> I don't want to be caught up in your nonsense. <laughs> now, I don't know. It doesn't say whether Gamaliel uh, believed and became a believer or not, but I, I don't know. It, uh, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> he recognized something. <laughs> he said, look, I've seen this before. And when you come against it, the men, it, it amounts to nothing. If this is one of those things, it will fizzle out. But if you fight it and it's of God, we're in trouble. So they were threatened with death. They kept on. In verse number 40, they beat them. They flogged them. And then after they beat them, they said, No more speaking this name. And I, I, am, I, just, I just have to tell you, I'm not trying to tell you with attitude, but I am trying to tell you, I am spiritually sick of people telling us we cannot talk about the name of Jesus. When they are willing to bring up every foul, ungodly thing that you can talk about, but boy, you mention the name of Jesus, our Savior, and literally they are all up in arms. We need to take spiritual ground back. Not arrogantly, but surely 
standing in the strength and the spirit of God, we need to say, I will not be moved from my Lord. My brother works, Pat, works for Kaiser Permanente. Uh, about a year and a year ago, maybe a little longer, he talked to me about, uh, you know, working for Kaiser Permanente. I'm just going to tell you, you talk about an environment where PC is king. <laughs> I mean, you have to be politically correct above all the other politically correct people. <laughs> and my brother had just had it, and they were sitting in a board room discussion and uh, somebody in the boardroom mentioned that they didn't want God or anything else spiritual ever mentioned again because it offended them and it happened to be somebody who Pat said was there that every other word when they were angry was a foul vulgar word and Pat, I believe, under the umption of the Holy Spirit, said, okay, but I am putting you on notice right now that you are no longer to allow to use any other name or vulgarity or vulgar word because you are offending my Lord every time you use it. And you know what? Everybody in the boardroom said, well, I think we'll just move on. <laughs> it's time that we stand up and say something for God. It's time that we say, Lord, I am going to make a stand for your name. I understand what I'm saying. I understand when the Bible said, we read in 2 Timothy 3.12, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now understand, persecution doesn't mean you're going to be thrown in jail, lose your house, lose your life, although that could happen. I don't know. But what I am saying is this. You may be ridiculed. You may lose your job like Joe did or is getting ready to. And you know what? He doesn't care because he knows God will take care of him. And that's what we need. We need to be God's first. We need to say, God, I don't know. I'm coming to you. I'm a little unsure about this. I'm a little apprehensive. But one thing I know, I'm not going to disobey you. And, and by the way, may I say, Joe didn't do something just for the sake of religion, do you hear me? When I, I want to I make sure of that. Sometimes we as Christians can start doing something just to put our finger in the world's eye. That's hypocritical. If we haven't been doing it to begin with, stop it! It's a poor representation of Jesus Christ. It better be something you've believed in. It better be something you've lived and when it is, like Joe, then you don't have to worry. Like Daniel, you just do what you've always done. You just do what you've always done. So I'm going to give you some scriptures to finish this. Daniel 3, 6 through 18. 
the Hebrew children, Shadmach, Shadmach. I just made up a whole new Hebrew name. <laughs> Write it down. I'll tell you how to spell it next week. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all had this big thing come up. And what did they say? They say, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to obey you. There comes a time when you have to obey God rather than men. Then they said, even if God decides to let us perish in the fire, we still won't serve you. That's true obedience to God. And then uh, Daniel chapter 6. This is Daniel. Daniel got thrown into the lion's den. Darius, the king, is the one who did it. And Darius felt bad about doing it, but he got caught in his own foolishness. But then listen to what he said. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought to be cast into the lion's den. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God whom you, what? Constantly serve. It wasn't just for the sake of being religious. Daniel lived it. Constantly serve. He'll save you. And he did. <laughs> and then... I want us to take us to Acts 4, and this is a chapter before, but listen to what the disciples again said when they were brought in. Uh, here it says, we will obey God rather than man, but listen to what Peter and John replied. This is right after healing the man at Gate Beautiful. He replied in uh, four of uh, chapter 4 of Acts 19 and 20, but Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in the God's eyes to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I hope that's true in your life. I hope that it gets to be so much that you love Jesus, it just comes out. I was thinking about that because I, I sometimes don't, I really don't think about where I am and if someone asks to pray, I'm, I'm just liable to pray wherever it is. And uh, oftentimes I'll be at a Starbucks or a coffee shop or a, a Burger King or somewhere. And after I get done opening my eyes, sometimes I'm surprised at some of the looks I get. <laughs> but guys, I'm not asking you to do that to look religious. I'm asking you to do it because you mean it. <laughs> I'm asking you to do it because that's who you are. Because when someone says pray, you say, well, why not right now? <laughs> Amen? Amen. And after further threats, they let them go. <laughs> and the point is, guys, I don't know what may or may not happen. I don't know whether further threats are coming. I don't know what the Lord may or may not allow to happen. But I know this. I'm praying for myself, and I'm believing God to raise up a remnant in the church in America. I'm believing that God is going to raise up believers that will say, Enough, I will serve the Lord. Bow your head with me.